Ernest, what's up? Look, I want to put you on to something that's been making waves in the personal finance world. If you've been relying on Mint to manage your finances, I got some news that might startle you at first. Mint is no more. But hold on, because every cloud has its silver lining. And in this case, that lining is Monarch Money. For those of us searching for a robust, user-friendly alternative, Monarch Money is stepping up to the plate. And from personal experience, it's hitting a home run. Let's get personal for a moment. Managing finances can be a maze of confusion, stress, and time consumption. Believe me, I've been there, jumping from one finance app to another, hoping to find that one platform that simplifies everything. Then came Monarch Money. Its ease of use, powerful features, and sleek design transformed my approach to managing finances. What truly sets Monarch apart for me, though, is its collaboration feature. With money being a top Discord trigger for many couples, the ability to seamlessly manage finances with my wife has been a game changer. No extra costs, just shared goals and clarity. But Monarch isn't just about managing your current finances, it's about building your future. Saving for that dream house, your wedding, or a once in a lifetime vacation becomes not just a possibility, but a reality with Monarch's intuitive tools. It's no wonder the Wall Street Journal held it as the best app for savings growth. Monarch Money represents the next evolution in personal finance apps. It's an ad-free haven where your experience is the priority, constantly refined based on real user feedback. It's everything we've been asking for, intuitive, powerful, and relentlessly focused on user satisfaction. Now, for a bit more practicality, Monarch makes transitioning from Mint a breeze ensuring you can bring all your tags and categories with you. It's intuitive design, customization options, and commitment to privacy and an ad-free experience make it stand out in the sea of competitors. Look, after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash leisure. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash leisure for your extended 30-day free trial. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Ernest, what's up? Look, today I want to talk to you about something that's been on my mind, a real weight on my shoulders. You know, we all have these moments, big or small, that just stick with us. When we don't talk about these things, then they can start to affect our lives in unexpected ways. That's why having a space to express these feelings is so important. I know firsthand the benefits of therapy. It's been transformative for my friends and family. Therapy can help you learn crucial skills like setting boundaries and developing coping strategies. It's not just about dealing with major events. It's also about enhancing your day-to-day -day life, allowing you to become the best version of yourself. So if you've been thinking about therapy, BetterHelp can be a great option for you. It's entirely online, which makes it super convenient and adaptable to your busy schedule. You start by filling out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can even switch therapists at any time if you feel the need without any additional costs. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash EarnYourLeisure today to get 10% off your first month. Remember, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash earn your leisure don't wait don't hesitate head over there now what's the deal the realest what's going on my brother how you doing what's up with the guy man 
Blessings and opportunities. Blessings and opportunities. That's correct. <laughs> man, what's up with you? Man, I'm sitting here in the studio right now. I'm going to set this phone up. Hold on. We got it. I'm in the podcast room because I know I was talking to the, one of the kings of this shit. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. Long time since we connected. Yeah, man. Man, you know, uh, I've been busy. You've been busy. You've been hopping off flights and stuff like that. You know, private ones at that. So <laughs> it's been hard to try to keep up with all that stuff, man. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Now, it's a lot to talk about, man. You know, of course, we got Market Mondays live. This this mm -hmm. huge, huge event for the Midwest, um, but just in general, this is our last domestic stop. So, you know, we got Ian Dunlap, of course, myself, Troy, Ross Mack, and you were gracious enough to, to you know, have your time, spend some time with us. So we're going to have 19 keys in the building. So I want to talk about that for sure. Everybody in Chicago, make sure you get your tickets um, this Sunday night. Um, but it's a lot of stuff that's happening, man. It's a lot of things that's been yeah. happening. In the and I feel like we haven't had a state of culture in a long time. And, you know, you talk about the fall of NFTs. You're talking about <laughs> artificial intelligence. Yeah. Um, the recession, you're talking about Israel-Palestine, ge geopolitical climate that we're in. Uh, President Biden's on his way out there right now. So I feel like it's a lot It's a lot of things that's happening currently in the world. Um, so I thought it would be a good time to just have an open dialogue. And um, let's talk about some few things if, if we can. You threw, out some, you threw out some heat just then, man. Um, I think it's important during this time as we consider all of the relevant topics that each and every person, you know, um, take some time to slow down and digest life a little bit, right? Because there's so much thrown that is consistently, I wonder how much time do we have, you know, to think about our real personal times, right? Like, when do we have time to replenish our own soul and our own energy from the world? We got so much of the world in us, right? But how much of us do we have in the world, right? So if we can't cultivate within, because we, we deal with so much, every day it's a news cycle, it's a new news issue, it's a new global issue, like you said, whether it's wars that's going on, whether it's disruptive technologies that's happening, you know, whether Jada Pickett is killing the news cycle because she can't <laughs> stop talking about her business. Like, we always bombarded with things that we didn't want to know, right? And I just really think about how much time do we have to develop on things that we should know and things that we need to know, right? And I just want people to really focus on slowing down because sometimes slowing down is the way you speed up because you have to catch up to yourself before you can catch up to the world, right? So I've been able to take some of that time you know, in between traveling, you know, we got, we coming to Chicago, we'll be in two states. People were trying to figure that was a mistake that day. I'm like, no, we're leaving one state, then we're going to Chicago later, right? So that was on purpose. So we're going from South Carolina to Chicago. So we got like a cool little run that we about to do. We got LA coming up on the 28th. So it's going to be a, a one night only type of situation. I might get a tux for that. We might have a whole band over there. It's, it, it's going to be something real special. So... Now let's get into the world a bit. I think we can talk. We can start even with NFTs if you want to. That's the low hanging fruit, yeah. right? Let's start. Let's start with the NFTs. You know, um, you were the first person that told me about NFTs. Uh -huh. 
been a strong proponent of NFTs, but um, we pub we posted uh, last week, two weeks ago, that uh, like ninety five percent of NFTs are now worthless, right? So mm -hmm. now people are saying, well, was this whole NFT thing a uh, 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 scam, right? Was NFTs uh, uh, just something to just get people's money? Like, was it ever even built on anything? People are nervous. People are scared. People are just a little like you know, kind of like what is what what happened with this whole NFT thing? Nobody's talking about NFTs anymore. So, what what's the current state of NFTs? So, when I think about NFTs, I look I think about the technology. I think most people think about the market, um, and I always said that that was going to be the issue is because people look at it as a a market, a money making market right these things that you sell versus things that you use right so that most people still can't tell you what an nft is first of all we got to start there the education is still low people went through that whole thing and still don't know what the hell it is and don't know how to tell you how to use it i was just having a conversation with somebody who was talking about beyonce and taylor swift because i seen you know taylor swift did four billion and she dropped that movie she cut out the middleman with direct to consumer right and we were just talking about how, you know, when you do concerts, you got Live Nation, you got to get them a cut from tickets. It's different negotiation powers when all these things come into play. And one of the use cases we talked about was NFTs for tickets. And the question was, is okay, if Beyonce, and this, this can be anybody, if, if she wanted to do the Taylor Swift thing and she wanted to cut out the middleman, where, where, where Taylor Swift cut out the studios, right? And for touring, it'd be like Live Nation or something like that, right? Not saying she wants to or she should or whatever, but just as an opportunity. And she said, I want to sell NFTs as tickets to my concert. Do you think that would have stopped people from buying those tickets? No. Everybody that wanted to go would have bought that. The only difference is she would make money on secondary sales, right? So the ones that go out on gate and they flood the internet and everybody start buying them, then the secondary, right? She would have made money each time from royalties. That would have been the only difference. And they would have been verifiable. They could have scanned them at the door. So the opportunity of NFTs is always the same. It's how can you create, it's a disruptive technology that changes systems. It democratizes, you know, the way things are done, particularly when it comes to access and having secure transactions that can be verified. It was a unique way to utilize the blockchain. Now, if you go look at the top companies, ask yourself, what are they doing with them? They're still building infrastructure with NFTs, specifically like luxury companies, right? You go to maybe Prada, you go look at their certificate card, you're going to look on the back and they're going to talk about the NFT that basically is connected to this because this bag is connected to the blockchain. So therefore, they can make sure there's not counterfeit being done and there's a way to verify your bag. So if that bag has second market value all they would have to do is look at the nft to make sure it's not a counterfeit and it's real because they have a huge issue with things like that so then we go look at the projects that were of the five percent that did become successful they became you know uh, uh eight figure and nine figure brands right so you gotta look at i think we look at probably the wrong thing because i got a video i was just looking back on youtube and i, I looked at it it was january 1st 2000 it was either 2022 i believe um and it was the january 1st of the year and i laced out what my prediction was for nfts i ain't dropped the clip yet i'd be waiting for people to talk more shit so i can drop more clips 
right? But I said that 90% of them will fail, and then I broke down why, right? And when we understand anything, we look at things in like a silo, but NFTs went through the same thing everything in the world went through, right? In the video, I talked about the bubble of everything, the housing, the stocks, the everything went through a cycle. But NFTs being a newer player in the market went through what all new players in the market go through a boom and bust cycle, right? The question I always have for people is, do you want it to fail? Because when it's a disruptive technology that will benefit the people more, right? You don't want these things to fail, and you definitely never want to follow the media suggestion and the education that they give you, because that could be payola that they're getting from companies that don't want to see, right, the, the, the market move too fast to where they can't innovate with it, and then they can't create a system where they can continue to take advantage of people. So, or, or whether they're taking advantage or not, it's just the way things are, but it's not the way things have to be. So, blockchain, NFTs, and SBTs, which are sold out tokens, they are being used to this day. Donald Trump did really well with them, <laughs> and he using that money to run for president, right? So the question is not about what the goddamn market did. It's about what you want to do with it, and that's always been the thing. Earn Your Leisure could have used NFTs as tickets for InvestFest if they wanted to because people wanted to come. They didn't have to say NFTs. They could have just said virtual tickets, right, what uh, uh, digital memorabilia. People would have bought them. So why do we forget the creative agency and utility of things and we start worrying about what the news say about the projects that fail when they were supposed to fail because 80% of businesses fail? How many stocks are on the market that you wouldn't touch because they're not worth shit to you? How many penny stocks that we advise people don't fuck with? So in every market, I look at things from a very common sense, rational standpoint, right? And other people get caught up in the what the news is saying and these statistics as if they are shocker when they exactly what i said on the breakfast club <laughs> you know what I'm saying? and it's the reason why when i go on the biggest platform that i have been on at that time as far as you know something outside of what we doing because you know high level conversation you know what I'm saying? but at that time i'm gonna tell you yeah 80 percent of them are scams or going to fail i didn't try to sell people the dream because what we're trying to prepare you for the reality of it so that you can see the technology for what it is don't get caught in the name the buzz who built what around it the all question was always what are you going to build with it not what are you going to buy from the market <coughs> <coughs> so me i'm still bullish on nfts all right all right so you're still bullish on nfts okay not as so an investment as a utility so let's talk about, I want to talk about some geopolitical stuff, shall we? But I want to take it from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. I want to see, so Joseph Biden, President Biden, is on his way to Israel right now. Um, and there's been reports that 2,000 U.S. troops are on standby, being ready ready to be deployed to the Middle East. The, the situation escalated, right? A uh, hospital got today, 500 people died in a hospital. He was supposed to be with the media in the Arab world. They all canceled their meeting with him right before his plane went off because they said that they, they they didn't want to meet with him since after the hospital got bombed. It was a very sensitive situation for them. So this is something that spills over to the American world and just the world in general, right? It's a very... Um, important topic so i want you i want to know um 
how do you see this impacting America, global economy, and um, what's your thoughts on the U.S. government's response so far? Mm. First, we have to look at the the history of when the state of Israel is a government, first of all, it's a regime, right? I think we have to look at it like that first. Um, and it's funny to to see people stand with different governments. Because even when people say free Palestine, they're talking about the people. They're not talking about the government, right? I don't know a history in the world where people cheer on a government, right? These government powers. Because when you do that, you're saying I'm in complete agreement with, you know, their beliefs, their rule, their power, their decisions. So you right, the things that they do. You can disagree with the government and it is not anti-Semitic. You're not you're not disagreeing with the Jewish faith by not agreeing with the principles or just disagreeing with the government itself. That's what that's kind of a hundred percent. These two are completely different, right? Zionism and the Zionist government is completely different than your conversations and beliefs around Jewish people. Like we're talking about the state of Israel, right? It's a government. I don't know too many governments that I would just openly stand out and praise, right? I don't know too many governments that I would stand in the street, I will push the hashtag, anything, and be like, I stand with this government, right? I don't know any. This is the first time in history where I see this, where people say I stand with Israel or basically the state of Israel, right? So this is a very interesting case. But also, everything that we see from this conflict, this war, the, the apartheid, whatever you want to call it, genocide, is propaganda. And this is what you have to know first. We are dealing with an extreme propaganda machine today, right? You don't know what to believe, what you can't believe, right? Because you have to understand that even if something were true, they have, you know, in war, it's a digital war now where they're controlling your beliefs and your reality around it. Two people could be seeing two different things. They can employ whole bot farms to counteract information, whether it's true or not, because it's war. And this is what you have to understand, that these are all tactics being used. This is not speculation. This is what happens in war has been happening, right? Because it's what we learned from, you know, the Soviet Union. It's what they learned for the Germans. Right, and those wartime tactics have been utilized for militaries for decades, right? If not centuries per se. So when I look on social media, any news that I see, I say, okay, this is the propaganda. What are they what do they want me to feel? What do they want me to believe? I start from there. It's not about facts or none of that, right? Because if that was the case, right, every news journalism, whether it was Al Jazeera, whether it was ABC, they would have the exact same news. They got different headlines, different sensationalism, different way they point things out. But I digress from that point. I just want people to understand that in wartime, everything, every single thing is propaganda, right? You make, you make a good point. I want to just follow up before you go to your next point because uh, we talked about this on Market Mondays yesterday. And I think it's important for Ernie Leach to be neutral and because we are a trusted um, news source, right? So um, try to try to not um, sway people's opinion in one way or another. Just state just state non-biased facts. And um, we have we was talking about um, uh, uh, Bill Ackman, 
right? And we were talking about uh, when he, billionaire hedge fund manager, um, there was a Harvard student that wrote a letter that was criticizing mm-hmm. the Israel team and pretty much blaming them for the violence that has happened in, in um, Gaza, right? And we used to have like, you know, just kind of a back and forth. And Ian said something to me and I didn't, I didn't fully get a chance to respond. I thought about it today, but I didn't get a chance to respond to it yesterday. But he said like, well, if somebody wrote a letter publicly praising the KKK, would you hire them? And I, I don't think that that's a fair analogy. Shout out to Ian, that's my brother. But I just, I'm just using this because I just, I think it's relevant to the conversation. I don't think that that's a fair analogy to compare a hate group Mm-hmm. to criticize government, right? If you're criticizing a government, they never praised Hamas in that letter. They were, they were criticizing Israel. And I think that's extremely important for us to always have the ability to criticize a government, right? Like whether you can, you can agree with a government, but right. you, can't, you can't be um, demonized. For, I think we start to walk a very dangerous line when we start to, to demonize people for criticizing a government. Like you said, Governments have always been criticized since the beginning of time. That's right? the, what the freedom of speech is for. Right. Criticizing a government is not criticizing a group of people. Criticizing a government is not criticizing a religion. Um, but when you start to link government with religion, that's when it becomes difficult. So if it's the Jewish state, now it could be like, okay, well, if I'm criticizing Israel, then I'm criticizing all Jewish people. So mm-hmm. I think that that's extremely important for us to kind of take down the emotions and just use logic. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. Mm-hmm. This is America. And so the comparison of the KKK, I don't think that that's a fair comparison to make. It's not a, it's not a real comparison. And, and, you know, shout out to Ian, but I, I think that one, it, it lacks full thought to, to make that comparison whatsoever. In America, we have a constitution. And, you know, the freedom of speech and the right to bear arms were specifically so that you don't get a tyrannical government that has so much power, right, that the people aren't free, right? The ability to criticize the government is what makes something a a so-called democracy, right? These freedoms that we're supposed to have in America, and this is Harvard, right, the first school, to, so they're highly educated on these things, right? What you see is the, the real America, Right, like Martin Luther King said, you got two sides of America, right? And what they're saying is, is that, you know, if you don't, if, if you don't side with me and my beliefs, right, we will target you and make you an example. That's what happens. But that's a very dangerous place because then you get to this place of, you know, uh, tyranny and, and, and rulership, right, where you can't even have a conversation about something besides it being labeled. Right. And, and then we get to a, a dangerous place where this is where, you know, Germany once was. Right. And so the conversation about Palestine and Hitler is a conversation. I mean, Palestine and Israel is a conversation where you look at the conflict for what it is. Right. And when did it start? And you get educated on it. And if you were Palestinian, what else are you supposed to do besides criticize? Right, the nation that you believe took your lands, right, displaced you and committed apartheid again, or has an apartheid state, and the American people are acting like this is a new conflict, right? Because 
of the information that they've gotten about it, but they didn't know about the conflict that had been going on for years and the amount of civilians that have been killed. And it's like, you know, it's disheartening because it's not a religious conflict, right? There's many people in Israel that don't believe in God or not even, you know, uh, 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 or don't care anything about any of that. This is not about Muslims versus Jewish people. That's not what we're dealing with, right? This is a battle of ideology. This is a spiritual warfare that's going on. And you have to just be educated. Nobody has to tell you what to believe when you get the truth, right? And this is the problem is that conversation allows you to have get to the truth, right? Because then you don't have to force nothing on anybody. But when you can't have that conversation, it stops you from getting to the truth, right? And now... You have to go with what you feel. Oh, well, I got a Jewish friend, so I'm just going to support Israel. Or, nope, I got a Palestinian friend, so I'm going to support Palestinians. But for me, my whole conversation was always, who makes the decision? Right? Like, I don't make the decision over nothing that happens I, in Israel. I, my thing is I think you have to be extremely careful in um, lending support to any one group because by in lending support to one group, you're kind of isolating another group. Right. So like you said, like when, when if Floyd Mayweather says, OK, I stand with Israel, we're standing with a government and you you march for at a, a Jewish center in L.A. and send a plane to Israel. That's your right. You can do that. Um, but I think that now you have to answer questions when thousands of Palestinians die and, and you don't say anything. So is is really life worth more than a Palestinian life? Or your that's what happens when you dehumanize the people. Well. And I think that that's also happens when you think from a one-sided perspective or when you when you value your business relationships more than humanity. Mm -hmm. So well, we know that's all business because he never cared about any black issues. <laughs> so all of a sudden for him to send a plane, I don't I, listen. I didn't know when I didn't know Floyd got political. Floyd was the always I don't know nothing about that. I love everybody type of person, but he took this personal. You know what I'm saying? And I've never seen him take any of the political issues um, that happen in the streets of America personal. I just haven't seen that. So, and then also, I don't know what he can do for them when, you know, they got as much money as they need. They have the political and financial might and backing of the United States of America. That was just propaganda that he was doing. That was just to show his support. But I'm 100% sure he's not educated not from a both side perspective. He don't know how to go back into it. He don't know how to speak on international crimes. He don't know how to speak on apartheid. He don't know how to speak on Bella Ford. He don't know how to go and, you know, actually speak from an educated place about what's happening around the world. And this is why Muhammad Ali will always be great because he was educated before he spoke and he stood on integrity, right? And, and that's why Muhammad Ali is the blueprint right, for athletes. That's where I, I can measure your degree of integrity based on, like, from, you know, one to my, uh, Muhammad Ali, where do you rank in there? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it's the same thing with, like, you would say from a thought leader, if you will, from one to Malcolm X, where do you rank in there, right? So we have these metrics, and most people, celebrities and entertainers, they fall short until, you know, they're told what to do, and the people feel that. Right. It's one thing with being honest about it, saying, I don't know much about it. I do have friends that's on one side of the conflict. And this is where my loyalties fall because this is the way I'm set up. 
right? So for me, you know, the hashtag Free Palestine was always a simple one to connect with because you're saying these are people that are oppressed, right? I've been to South Africa before. I see what apartheid does, right? You're saying that these people are oppressed and displaced from their land. So it was like, okay, this makes sense. Then we have a history where I was getting to point number two of, you know, black activists protesting against the training of police by the Israeli forces because the taxes that they use on Palestinians are used on black people, which is what created the climate for Black Lives Matter. Because those are the same people that are trained against uh, that, that police force that I was dealing with in Ferguson. And it's the same fight that they're trying to have in Atlanta where they're trying to stop uh, uh, the, what's it called, police city or something of that nature. So it's like the, the fight is intertwined from a, we don't like this government and their transactions with our government, especially when it trickles down to the, the oppressed class in America and the fight that we have against these regimes and the things of that nature. So there's, there's, there's a lot of synergy, right? I remember the Palestinian people took to the street and they were saying Black Lives Matter. So we had some synergy with those folks, right? <laughs> That's just the reality, Cop City. So I'm 100% sure he's not educated on those types of things, right? So you don't know how these things trickle to your own people. I remember when Obama was disrespected by uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, right? There's so many different things that if you don't even know the history of something and you're jumping in the middle, you don't know how to properly choose a side, right? Well, I, that's why I think it's important for um, celebrities to... Um, it's, I, I'm, a, I'm a proponent of... I'm not, I'm not mad when somebody doesn't speak. Like, people... Have, Drake to speak. Like what Vlad said about Drake and um, DJ Khaled. I'm, I'm not somebody that's like always looking for a celebrity to speak because I feel like sometimes it's better to remain neutral for a variety of different standpoints. If you know that you want to maintain your relationships, then you shouldn't say anything. If you know that you're not fully educated to speak, then you shouldn't say anything, right? Like I, I think sometimes it's better to be silent because like Justin Bieber, he put a thing up and said, um, you know, pray for um, Israel with a picture of Palestine. So I feel like, you know, you, you can end up embarrassing yourself. Yeah, you, I think Jody Foster did the same thing. It's, it's dangerous, right? A lot of influence. So it's like, if you don't if you don't fully know what you're talking about, then sometimes it's just, it's okay to anything. That's okay too. But I also feel like this, this is interesting. I don't want to harbor on the Palestine-Israel conflict because you can do your enough research to have a, your own personal opinion but it does it does lead to a variety of other things that's interesting in media like we're in media now so like i'm paying more attention to media so i'm seeing how even media changes and changes the narrative and how media is so important so it's it's interesting like this hospital bombing that happened today right so a hospital was in gaza i think over 500 people would die um so when it first happened Every media outlet, New York Times, LA Times, uh, Forbes, you name it, they all had the same thing. Israeli airstrike hits um, Gaza Hospital, 500 people dead. It was universal headline. Associated Press, everybody. Then you start, they started to change the um, headline to um, Palestinian authorities say Israel has um, stroke, struck a uh, hospital with 500 civilians. Then the story changed again when it was saying that 
bomb hit hospital, 500 people dead. And um, then it was, everybody's blaming each other. Israel saying a bomb came from Hamas mm -hmm. and is blaming Israel. And the Israeli, I don't want to miss feeling on him, but somebody, a high ranking Israeli um, press person, actually when the bomb spoke, when the bomb first hit, they uh, they actually reported that it was an Israeli strike. Then they took, they took that tweet down. And a few days ago, Israel actually openly um, gave a warning to all hospitals to evacuate, which is kind of difficult to evacuate a hospital. I don't, I'm not sure how you do that. Um, and then the BBC actually reported that the Palestinians, Hamas, they don't even have the technology to actually pull that type of that bomb. They don't have a, a bomb powerful enough to blow up a hospital yeah. to their understanding. But it's interesting to see. We still don't know. I don't know exactly what happened, so I don't want to speak from a definite. That's the idea, the confusion. You don't know the truth. The truth is buried in confusion. But you see how a narrative can change intraday. Like I said, I was watching it because I'm actually in the media. Mm -hmm. so somebody purposely changed this narrative, right? On purpose. Um, and like I said, I don't know what happened. But it's just interesting to see how a news story can start at 10 o'clock, change by 8 o'clock, and that actually influences and changes people's mind. Now, nobody even knows what happened, but now you already have people that already made up their mind of what happened. They're like, well, Hamas did it, and da-da-da-da. So it's just interesting to see how powerful media is. It's almost hard to explain the power of media. It's very difficult because like, I'm in it. I'm in it now, so I can see it from a different perspective. Like I'm seeing it from the inside, but I could tell you media is the most powerful thing in the world. It influences people, but you can't fully understand it because you're 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 getting you're getting trained by media. But everything you see, nobody really questions anything that they see, mm -hmm. right? And, and even on the alternative, like let's say you're one of those people that are like anti everything and every well, somebody's influencing that, right? There's the the, the conspiracy. Theory. Well, you're taking your information. Everybody's getting information from somebody. Right. And, and like, no, nobody knows. If you really think about it, none of us know anything, right? We're all getting information from somebody. Unless you were actually physically there in person, which the vast majority of people aren't. I mean, I'm just talking about life, just life in general. Very few people have firsthand information. 99.9% .9 of the population, when it comes to everything in life, you're getting fed the information from somebody that's giving you the information. You can only question so much. At a certain point, you just believe it. You have, you have to have faith to believe what you're hearing is true, mm -hmm. right? Um, and you start to realize how dangerous that is when you see things that are not true being said and everybody's just accepting it. So then you start to question everything, right? Because then you become very paranoid. You start to question everything because once you see one lie, now you start, it's like being in a relationship. Once somebody lies to you once, <laughs> everything is on the table, yeah. right? That's, that's an important conversation that's not had enough because like I said, this is just one thing, but this, that's like true in everything in life where it's like these media corporations, CNBC, um, CNN, like they're extremely powerful. And what they say is is law. And, and that's what makes this situation in this time and age different is because, and this is, I mean, this is the reason why if, if I have a strategy and I say, listen, all right, this is what we want to get done. This is my campaign. I want to go take over some part of Europe somewhere. Let's say I, I want Rome to myself. I want the Coliseum. 
All right. You know, I want Greece as well because I feel like black people were the original Greeks and stuff, and those stories were about us. So I won't go over there. I want to take this over. Now, when I do, right, of course people will be like, wait a minute, you can't just go over there and get rid of the Greeks people. Where the hell they go stay? Right? Now, I don't want you to get the facts. I don't want you to get the news. Right? What I want to do is create a narrative to where you can feel and be on my side. Right? So, what we would end up doing is I will get, of course, all the most influential people that you trust and the people that you love, right? You get the biggest people in the world, right? Because the issue is that people can go through independent media, which is social media, right? It's a social feed of collective information gathering, but then your algorithm is biased towards what you already look to, so you're not getting pieces from all over the world. Right, but I know the followers of the celebrities you follow. He got 500 million people. They got 80 million people. They got 70. So I get a collection of people to where I can buy their influence. Right? These are my new sources. Right? So instead of you going to the news, which a lot of people don't watch the news anymore, you may see a little. You may see, you know, CNBC clip on your social media feed, but you're not sitting in front of the TV watching that shit. Right? So you can't even use the news in the same way you used to. You can use that for middle America, older people that still sit at home and watch it. But you're not using that for younger people to believe it. And youngest people are the ones who oppose war the most. Right? In every era, young people are the ones, the college students, those be the most radical people against war. Because those be the ones you in that era of thinking for yourself, rebelling against the system. So I can't go to the news. So in order for me to have the type of power that I usually have during these type of situations, I have to go to the newsmakers, which are now the influencers, right? I don't need the influencer to know that much. I don't need you to be goddamn asking questions. Don't be asking me to educate you. This is what I need you to say and just put it out there, right? You want this deal? You want to come to these parties? You want to kick it with us? You want to be on my team? Rock with me, right? That's it. Don't ask no questions. And it's like, you can ask questions and you can deny it, but they can deny you as well. So that becomes a system that you have to make sure that your will is always done, right? And this is just a simple strategy. It's not even that crazy. It makes a lot of sense. So if the Palestinian people were to employ this strategy, or the Israeli people employs this strategy, this is how the information gets to your desk, right? To where you now don't know what reality is. You just know what you feel from the sources that you've gotten. And the thing is, is, we live in a time where we got AI, we got Google, we got YouTube, we got so many sources. You can literally go on AI and say, can you give me an overview breakdown, high level of this whole situation? And I need you to be completely not biased when you present the information, right? It'll give you a timeline, right, from beginning to now. And that's like in 30 seconds. And you can read that one pager and be refreshed on a high level of events that have occurred. Right? So it's very hard if a person starts to think for themselves. And this is what we try to get people to stop doing is thinking when you want to control the people. Don't think too much. Right? Anybody, you, it's like even with your children. You want them to do something, you know what I'm saying? And they start sitting there thinking whether they want to do it or <laughs> why, why they should do it. They start questioning you, bro, you're doing too much. Just listen. You don't want your soldiers and your drones overthinking. You want them just doing what the hell you say. And this is what governments are trying to get to, like China. China don't have that problem. China says, we don't, tell you to, we, don't, we don't pay you to think. You're doing way too much. This is what we go do. We're not asking you to vote. Governments around the world are jealous of China, 
because China is a superpower, right? They're getting all that money, China and India, and they have a different level of consent, or they don't need the consent to have the control that they have. And financially, they're building an empire, right, in a time where it's harder and harder because technology is dividing all these people into groups based on their sources. So when these major sources used to be the way where they can control, it becomes harder because it's fragmented. So now they got to figure out new ways to do it. And the most dangerous thing about all of this is that they got the technology to do it. The AI, right, the quantum computers. You got to watch the newest uh, Mission Impossible. They speak on this very well about this, this entity of this AI that has the ability to manipulate. It can take, it can doctor footage. It can create whatever it wants to. You don't know what you're looking at. So anything that comes from your screen, you can't truly believe that it's real anymore. And that's going to be so dangerous because then you're going to go to your trusted sources, right? And then it's going to make you not question them. And then you don't know when they're manipulating you. So regardless, whether, no matter who you are, if, if I don't care what side of what turmoil or what issue in the world you fall yourself on, when you stop questioning the source, do you believe anything, right? And you can't call yourself a good person Right. If you say, all right, well, because I am a part of this construct of belief, right, then anybody that opposes me, we're justified in destroying them. That's not what good people do. You know what I'm saying? I don't care what side you can come from. Besides when it's in war and somebody comes in your house, the justification is, all right, I got to get you out of my crib. Right. That's called standing ground. People do that in their own households. But when you start to apply that to global situations, yes, things are always complicated. America's complicated. We we bombed Iraq. We we you know they, they there was a lot of uh, and it, it had no WMDs at all, right? We found that out. But Michelle Obama was taking candy out of Bush's hand and eating it, and he's still a sweetheart to the black community to this day, right? Joe Biden was locking up Negroes. So was Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton. Who, no who, problem. Would you say was a sweetheart to the black community? George Bush. The second one? The, the the junior, the one that used to play dumb on TV that Kanye said he didn't like black people? I don't I, I don't. The don't reason I say, say that, I, listen, you got to go on. Uh, I was looking at Shade Room, I think. I don't. <laughs> I'm, I'm not talking about the, the intelligentsia, this, the smart people. Talking about, so it was it was a moment where I think it was Michelle Obama, she was grabbing candy out of his hand, she was eating it. And, I just looking at the comments, they was like, oh, look at their friendship, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, did y'all not forget? Did y'all forget? Well, people, people have short-term memories. But yeah. you got to remember, um, George Bush, probably the worst president in American history. Mm -hmm. uh, they say Trump is, though. Well, that brings me to my next talking point. I was in a barbershop. I was having a, a conversation with some of the good brothers in the barbershop. We were saying, like, what? What's the money line on Trump becoming next president? Like, what's the odds? I personally think I I don't see how he doesn't get reelected or elected. He's not going to get reelected re because he's not serving right now. But I personally don't see how Donald Trump is not the next president of the United States. And I've done this. I've done this like strategically. Like I went through the calculations on this. Um, I don't see how he is not the next. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't have much challenge. Um, and the way Biden is setting things up, he's setting it for a 
a great goal. Biden is on TV talking about we are the greatest nation in the history of the planet Earth, and we can, you know, fund two wars. That's the last thing American people want to hear. While they got the the, the interest rates are high, the goddamn inflation is three thousand percent. You know what I'm saying? People are not happy. There's a fucking credit crisis on the rise, right? America is not booming. And he talking about he wants to fund two wars. That's like imagine your pops talking. Y'all struggling. Y'all can barely eat. And he talking about, look, I got two other families we about to take care of. Like, well, here's the thing. I see a lot of I see Trump minus 300, Trump minus 400. Here's the thing. Here's the reason why I, and that's, that's for like betting numbers for the people that's not familiar with like sports betting. Here's the thing that why I think that Trump has a good chance of winning. When the last election, I think he had like 55 million votes, right? That was the second most votes in American history. Joe Biden got the most votes in American history because he won. But I feel like Joe Biden doesn't have any core supporters. Nobody's passionate about Joe Biden. I've never seen a rally. <laughs> I've never you can't seen be passionate about Sleepy Joe. I feel like I feel like they were voting for him as an alternative because they hated Trump or they were scared of Trump. Now. The opposite is, is that there are millions of people that are passionate about Donald Trump. He's developed a extremely loyal support base that has shown extreme resilience. Um, I think with him going through all of these uh, legal issues, that's just made him even stronger and made him even a more folk hero of sorts. He's using this as like, like look, he's pretty much like Teflon Don. Right. Yeah. And they're even more supportive now because now he's going to play the whole, you know, I'm the underdog. They tried to cancel me. They tried to arrest me. They tried to hit me with the Fed charges and all that. And I think that he rallies more support. I think Joseph Biden has done a bad job as far as getting support over the last four years of three years of his presidency. So I think we're going to see a lot of people voter suppression. I think a lot of people are not going to vote, right? Yeah. I mean, or, how can you create a campaign around them? Or they're going to vote third party. They're going to vote for for Kennedy. They're going to vote for like third party candidates, which essentially takes like the other barber in, in my barbershop. He said he's going to vote for Kennedy. Well, I said, well, that's a vote for Trump, essentially. And he said, yeah, I appreciate that. But I morally, I can't vote for Joe Biden. I'm not going to vote for Trump, so I'm going to vote for Kennedy. So the more people that don't vote or vote for third parties, that's a vote for Trump. And I think that, that this is going to be a historic situation when we're going to have Donald Trump as the next president. I'm the one voting for him. Kanye? Mike Prince. you going to vote for Mike Prince? Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. Uh, why would you vote for Mike Prince? Because I think he's going to take America skyrocket up economically. The, the governor from Indiana? <laughs> no. <laughs> the brother of billions. <laughs> oh. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you never seen billions. <laughs> watch the show. Don't watch you got to watch the new season, man. <laughs> I, I was... I was no. Those who know, no. <laughs> okay. I was a little concerned. Um, yeah, I gotta excuse me, man. I'm having a good so who's, day. Who's, 
HBCU tour with our good friend Terrence J. They they they've been doing HBCU tours. Mm-hmm. So she's been hitting the ground. She's been hitting the ground. She's been um doing a lot of um. Ain't no no none of the moments went viral. I ain't seen no Michelle would have been viral, and she was just first lady. Michelle would have been stepping ski wing with the with the AKAs. She would have did something that made her viral. She been going to these HBCUs, and them students ain't posted one picture. You bring up a good point. You bring up a good point. I go viral. If I if I do an HBCU, HBCU tour, everybody gonna know about it. You know what I'm saying? I didn't even see Terrence J. I didn't even see Terrence J. on my timeline no more since he started that tour with it. Shout out to Terrence J. No, that's my guy. Um, I'm just speaking facts, man. That's all I can do. That's the language that I know. It's facts. Let me ask you this. Um, how do you see black people in America moving forward, right? You're not a big fan of the political structure, obviously. Um, I don't believe that you're the type of person that has too much faith in like Wall Street or the traditional banking system or government at all. Um, what's, your pathway, what's your pathway for black people in America to improve the situation. Mm. I, before I got on this call with you, I was talking to a brother about working systems. 
right? Because he was he was asking me about broken systems, and I said we're not dealing with broken systems; we're dealing with working systems, right? And the pathway towards you know um, a better future is to create your own systems, right? We talk about getting out of the system. No, once you get out of something, you have to go into something. You have to go into your own system. The 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 first pillar of this, because we talk about reparations. The first pillar of reparations is education to me. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Fixing the education gap, right, that we have. Because when you know what to do, you can do it, right? And then when you know what to do and you get the funds, there's nothing stopping you. Our issues is that we don't have any systems, right? So starting right now, like we talk about media, building media systems so that People can say, hey, when there's something that goes on in the world, I want to go to this source for my information. That becomes a funnel to real decisions you make in reality, right? So we need our own media system, right? Education system. We complain about DeSantos and him wanting to write history, and he wanted basically, you know, whitewash the hell out of everything, things that don't even need to be whitewashed. He's just ready to whitewash everything. But that's because he controls the education system. So that means that, okay, we need a funnel for children to get our version of reality so that they can grow up and then they can pass on the ideas and build on things that we want. So media, education are the biggest pillars for me, right? Because media controls what we know, think, and see, and believe about the world, right? And then education controls what we can do and how we can build our own world, right? So for me, if you can educate people out of poverty, right? You can educate people, you know, out of the effects of racism. You can educate people on systems to how to deal with the system. So it's not like so much that I need to have rallies against the system. I just need to teach you how it works, right? When I use the analogy, if you go into a bank branch and you start complaining about the banking system, the manager can't do shit, can't do nothing, because that's a branch. That's not the root of the problem. The root is the system. If you're talking about your body, you have an immune system. When one thing is not working, that's not the only issue. It's when multiple things not working, the system is not working, right? So for us, we have to get to a point where we're building media systems, EYL, high-level media. These are very important, right, in the creating an ecosystem and having a system. And these things that need to be heavily funded to be backed as billion-dollar systems. I see Griot, I see Mark Lamont Hill breaking it down where he feels like his voice can be free and he can speak the way he wants to because he has a media channel, but he was fired from them other folks at first. But there's a black man that owns that, so he gives him the opportunity to be that voice, right? Without that, you don't get that voice at all, right? So we talk about creating systems so that we can have control over industries versus complaining about working systems. Y'all talked about that sister and the brother who bought that bank. We complained about that system when we would see whites buy black business and they become white-owned. We not, I always talked about the blueprint is in front of us. Why don't we just operate in the same way instead of complaining about working systems, right? There, there, there are so many different ways to, you know, uh, have remedies to take yourself out of systems, but you can't do none of them without education. Did you, did, did you watch the Van Jones interview that we did?
No, I've seen clips. I didn't watch the whole thing yet. Insightful. If you get a chance, um, I highly suggest and, you check it. Just one thing I want to say on that. What Jeff Bezos did for Van Jones <laughs> was probably like, and I don't know, and from what I hear, there's no stipulations on the money from what I, my tidbit of knowledge that I got on that. But it was one of the, like, one of the most revolutionary acts that I've ever seen, right? Taking it, because it's a novel idea. You're a billionaire or a decamillionaire, and you say, that activist right there, I'm going to give him $100 million, no strings attached, for him to fight his fight. There's, that's the unattended, I talked to my brother Ken about this, the unattended uh, wealth group, right? This, 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 this unattended wealth group is the people that operate in this new money matrix that make money off new disruptive technologies, industries that form, and all of a sudden their minds are now funded. Now, because their minds are funded, think about it, the crypto minds that got funded, the new tech minds that got funded, they can lobby now. You start to see their ideas in the world. You start to see things change. People dress in different ways. People don't realize it's because it's new money that is entering, and now they can fund their thoughts. So if somebody said early on, not that you all need it, but, you know, it may be a time you want to take in billions. Rashad and Troy is doing is amazing. Hey, I'm a billionaire. At least got access to billions. What happens if we just give them some funds and see what they build, Right? We don't have that because we don't have um, we don't have uh, what's this thing called benefactors, right? In our community, so we don't see brilliance and then put funding behind it so that that brilliance can grow and develop. We don't do that. Our brilliance is bought by every other community. So you see a kid that has a Mensa score, and all of a sudden now they're working for a system. So for me. It's that. It's, it's building systems, taking the working systems and have them work for us, knowing the systems and learning how to work within it, right? And I believe education freezes, but the problem is most of us don't know how to think. Well, for sure. And, um, well, get your tickets to Market Mondays, Chicago, this Sunday, 19 Keys, Ian Dunlap, myself, Troy, Ross Mack, and we got some other surprises we invade in Chicago. It's the last stop on our, on our world tour. You know, we, we, we went global. We went from LA to London to Toronto, Chicago, and we're going to end the year in Ghana. Mm. Important. Ooh. Very important. Hey, speaking of Ghana, my brother Freedom had hit me and he sent me over the picture about, you know, when the government said that people don't have to have their, their, their visas and things of that nature. So, you know, that's... <laughs> You know that's because we put that conversation out there heavy. Well, it's important. It's important to um, you can never this. So I felt Van Jones situation, right? Because in Van Jones, one of the most insightful things that he said was that there's four corners of power in America. He said that there's um, political power in Washington D.C. And he said black people have actually been doing good with political power. As far as there's a lot of black lawyers, um, seven I believe of the top ten cities in America. Population-wise, have black mayors. Um, we had a black president. We were making a lot of inroads politically. Mm. But he said that all of the other three corners of the world is where we struggle. New York City, Wall Street, finance capital. He was like, very few black people, little, little power, 
Little Little Pal. We went to Wall Street. I think there was two black people on the street floor. Shout out to the Einstein of Wall Street. He took us to the Wall Street, like the actual trading floor. Two two black one was like just started. Two. Mm. <laughs> Literally two. So he was like, um, finance is something that we we we, we underrepresented. And then another corner of power across the country, Silicon Valley Tech. We know that we are very unproportional in tech, um, from tech startups to. And then the last corner of power was in LA, which is media, Hollywood, entertainment, right? As far as ownership, media ownership. He's like, we are represented in, in entertainment and media as far as personalities but we have very few ownership at a high level, like a Tyler Perry, like a Oprah, or even higher than that, right? And that, so a lot of times people even criticizing them, like, well, what are you doing? You're just talking. Well, that's important because media is actually one of the most important parts of any society. Mm-hmm. And being able to educate people, inform people, and shape people's attention, uh, attention um, is actually vitally important, right? right? And this is from him. This is his perspective, not just my perspective, because I'm in media. So being able to tell the story, being able to have a trusted voice, being able to educate people, being able to have positive propaganda, and being non-biased in a variety of different things, that's important. Um, so I think that, you know, these are all areas that I think we all need levels of improvement, and different people need to do different things, because everybody has a different skill set. Like, you yeah. might be you might be very good in tech and you might not know anything about investing. Or you might be very good at investing and not having you can't be able to speak properly. So you have as a media. Or you might have a media mind, right? But when you start to connect all the dots and now you start to work interconnective with each other, I think that that's important. So it's vitally important that the top work together. So the Robert Smith has to work with Tyler Perry has to work with President Obama. Like now, once you get the top, now you start to really have a cohesive unit where we can actually move things forward. I just at the top on the on the ground level as well. But I, that's always important for people to fully understand. Focus on what's important, and and you got to focus on what pays. Little Wayne said that as a great ball. Focus on what pays. A lot of times in our community, we focus on things that aren't really vitally important or they're not like moving the needle right? these are the things that technology media government and finances that's important if we can start to focus on those things and, and climb up those ranks and work with each other in those fields now we have some level of upward mobility mm-hmm. this is a fact and, you know, I think Dr. Claude Anderson did a good job in talking about that as well. And, you know, I think what we have to be is we have to be patient and thinking about the time it takes for us to have that power. And we've been fortunate enough that disruptive technologies have come and changed the landscape, which gave us even greater opportunities to grab hold of power, right? And so this is why I've always been a proponent of teaching technology, not pushing it, teaching it, 
because I always wanted people to be able to exploit the opportunities that come during these shifts, right? And so if social media and the internet didn't come, you can complain about it all you want to, but if it didn't come, we wouldn't be able to take advantage of being able to start the media, right, uh, um, systems and industries that we now want to have ownership of, right? If, if we didn't have the ability to create courses online where we can educate people outside the education system, Right, we can change the dynamics of information that flows through the household and skills that get developed. So we really have to appreciate the fact that we're living in one of the greatest times to create the change, right, and grab hold of the reins of power to have equity in this world and equalize the playing field. So I wholeheartedly am always thinking and, and I stay up at night thinking about how to take advantage of this lucky time that I was born in. It's always gonna be things that I don't like. But there's always beautiful things that happen. One of my great quotes, if you pay attention to the devil too much, you starve God. No, that's a fact. And I think with that, um, so it's important to, like, so somebody had wrote in the comments, I'm trying to find it, but he said, um, that sounds good, but black people are being boxed out of all different areas. Box yourself in then. Well, I can speak from personal perspective. I can't speak my We started a company with a cell phone, with no startup budget, which in five years grows into a multi-million dollar operation. We're able to do events large scale, 20,000 people at InvestFest and connect with people in London and Toronto, go to Africa and be able to reach millions of people. 19 Keys has a show where he reaches millions. He gets this is more views than CNN gets. It's on par with cable television, right? Say that again. What you say? What you say that again? No, I'm saying this is more views than with CNN. That's a fact. Like this is this yeah. is on, on par, yeah. on par or more than cable television. So I'm not gonna say that that work for every single person, but well, that's what we did. The opportunity so, is there. So what are you gonna do? Technology hasn't empowered everybody, and and like you said, it has leveled the playing field enough to compete. It's never gonna be a, a level playing field. You black in america when it's sunny you got to go outside with an umbrella because anything can happen if you're a black person mm. so it's never going to be a level playing field but at least it's level for you to play mm -hmm. so and if you never start playing you never know how good you can be at the game if, if, we're, you know if we're only going to make excuses then it's a 100 percent chance of, of no improvement <laughs> that's a 100 percent chance of no improvement if you never try and you only have excuses, and you're only going to blame other people forever, then you have a 100% chance of doing nothing. I can't, I can't guarantee that you're going to be successful. I can't guarantee that you're going to be earning your leisure at 19 keys. But if uh, you're not going to be. If you try, you have an opportunity to be great. But if you don't try, and you're a constant critic, then you have no opportunity at all and you are 100% going to be a failure. Mm -hmm. So it's important. Yeah, I mean, but you know, I'm gonna see y'all in Chicago, for those that's out there. I'm gonna see y'all in LA, you know, for those that wanna pull up. Um, I believe that you doing your part, I'm doing my part out of 45 million black people in America, I think we're doing a tremendous job. It's not our job to do everything. And once a person 
what the, what they do is they don't acknowledge what you're doing. They try to acknowledge what you're not doing, right? It's always going to be more we're not doing than we're doing because in the world of doing everything, you can only do what you can get done. That's a fact. So always, always look at that as a mute point. Like, of course, there's a lot of shit I'm not doing because I'm doing this. And in order to get good at this, when it didn't run in the family, I didn't have funding for it. It did, wasn't a skill set that was passed down. It's first generation self-education, right? That comes with trials, tribulations. It comes with mistakes. It comes with getting better. It comes with developing experience. It comes with learning. There's so much that comes along with it. These are new industries that we're learning on side of you all. And you all are able to take this journey with us to continue to learn, right? That's that's a very powerful thing to even be able to witness, right? To, to witness my brother up here, to witness me, and witness other peers of us that go out there and we're operating in this place of learning. It's completely different. It's the reason why out of billions of people on the planet, only a few start to get it done. So you have to figure out, all right, they're doing that. How can I add on to that or do something similar to complement what's being built out, right? This is how you become a part of a, a thing that becomes a system, right? So for me, a lot of people, you know, being able to look at the faults of others only allows you to be able to ignore your own faults. That's it. You just It's just the time you get to spend not focusing on self. I understand that. But what my brother's doing with EYL, what we've done with high-level media, high-level conversations and things of that nature, all you can do is tip your hat and then allow us to grow into whatever next stage of development that this becomes because it's going to take time, right? So first of all, you know, I love these state of the coaches. It allows us to have a long stream of thought and conversation. This was a very, you know, dicey conversation that can go into many different elements. Um, and I don't pretend to be a person to know everything. I don't pretend to be a person that even wants to know everything. I know I'm a learning man, right? And on that journey of learning, I want to fail forward, right? I want to try things that I haven't seen done yet. I want to enter space that I haven't seen enter yet. I want to do the thing that hasn't been done yet. So, therefore, we can get to a place that we've never been, right? You kick down doors, we kick down doors, and other people get to walk in there. And everybody else's job is either to complement that, support that, or ignore it. That's it. For sure. Right? For sure. Sure. Another state of the coach, ladies and gentlemen, the tickets Midwest, Chicago. We will be in your area Sunday, 19 Keys. 19 Keys will be in the building. Ian Dunlap will be in the building. Ernie Leeds will be in the building. Ross Mack, a bunch of other surprises. We're going to be talking about real estate. We're going to be talking about We're going to talk about stocks, trading, you know, the whole thing. This is the final leg of Market Monday's World Tour, the legendary Market Monday's World Tour. So be in the building. Can't wait to see everybody. Chicago, I'm City is a beautiful, beautiful city with great energy and great people. So click the link that's in right there. Get your tickets to Chicago this Sunday um, to see us live in person. The whole the whole gang is coming. And watch this review. I put this on probably YouTube too. And we talked we talked about Israel Palestine. We talked about Web three. We talked about NFTs. We talked about uh, Joe Biden. We talked about Donald Trump. Oh, Waka Flocka, I didn't say this, but Waka Flocka said he just endorsed Donald Trump. <laughs> I, I think it, it, it's Sexy Red that did it at first. It speaks to as a very powerful trend that you could see when people are going out their way to automatic already start endorsing a president who at first, if you stood by him, you would have been so-calledly canceled. The ties have changed.
No, well, nobody has ever been canceled. We got to do another state of culture. Nobody has. Yeah, we definitely got to do that. The full state of canceled cancel culture is a myth. There's never been one person in, in culture that has ever been canceled. Actually, on my next high level, we talk about this and we break it down so sweet. Watch this one. It's, 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 it's some cold game in there. So, Key's always a pleasure, my brother. Peace to the God. I'm going to see you in Chicago, man. God, God. We we will be in the building. Shout out to all my family in Chicago. Get your tickets this Sunday. 19 Keys, high-level conversations. Appreciate you. Uh, Tap in. Tap in. Peace.